Yeah, I think we can start in like uh, one or two minutes. You can start. Yeah. yeah, two minutes. Whenever yeah. you, you're the conductor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, or maybe we can just start. I mean, we are just talk talking about uh, logistics mostly. I think at the beginning. So yes. <laughs> so thank you very much for uh, joining. I think we are all really uh, pleasure, pleasure, Marco. Uh, your first guest from Africa, actually, um, but uh, really interesting uh, continent with a lot of things happening. So I think, um, yeah, today we are really like talking about uh, the the opportunities in Africa in terms of AI ecosystem, and you have so much experience, uh, both being an entrepreneur, but also being a really, um, yeah, successful researcher uh, uh, with a lot of experience there as well, and. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, what I can say about uh, the event, you know, who's organizing it. So it's like organized by um, the German-Chinese AI Association, which is an, uh, or, like a cross-cultural association for exchange and networking in the field of AI. So, uh, and actually it's not just Germans, people from, from many uh, different countries uh, working in, in AI or technology industry, um, in academia, in companies, we also have students and uh, we are organizing events uh, yeah, in, in Germany and China uh, mostly and then also uh, webinars uh, such as this one. And then the other party that's organizing this uh, webinar today is uh, China Tech Block, which is a technology block on China uh, like made by practitioners working in the industry. Um, and uh, yeah, mostly alumni from Schwarzman School, also Tsinghua University and London Business School, but I think all like also open to, to other people to write articles. And so far, uh, over 40 articles, like in-depth articles on China Tech have been published and uh, oh. interviews with some uh, really famous people like the former CEO of Volkswagen who established Volkswagen China. Um, yeah, so yeah, I already talked about about what we discussed today. So I think we, we're going to really uh, talk about your, um, your life, you know, your experience, uh, your company, like what you're currently building in the field of AI, um, then looking uh, more into Africa, like what, how is the AI ecosystem there? And then at the end, I mean, uh, it's a German-Chinese AI Association, China Tech Block. We're also uh, going to talk about China and uh, the the relationship between China and Africa and pushing this industry uh, forward. So, yeah, I think um, also, yeah, one last thing, of course, I, I really want to thank yeah. Stephanie, uh, who's a member yeah. of TCAI in Beijing for like setting up and putting us in touch. Um, so thanks so much, uh, Stephanie, for that, for making this event uh, possible. Yeah, so I think we can start maybe like with a like brief introduction of yourself, like your... Yeah. Journey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marcus, thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, it's, a, it's a pleasure to participate in this webinar. We had a really intriguing discussion the first time we met. And uh, we also talked a little bit about my history and things that we've done and, and things that happened and so forth. Yeah, it's been an interesting, Marco, interesting journey. Um, so my whole career has been based on AI. I've been um, as you know, I did my PhD in, in artificial intelligence, actually my honors and masters and everything led to this as well. And initially it was more kind of computer science and math. and I was kind of intrigued by that, but I just realized, wow, this is incredible 
application power of machine learning and AI. And I just discovered all these applications. So even when I was still at university, um, I was collaborating, I was in the Department of Computer Science, but I was collaborating also with um, chemical engineering, electronic engineering, applied mathematics, the business school. And I just realized there's so many applications and there was even a, uh, also a collaboration with the Department of Psychiatry. And uh, we, got, we actually co-authored a book. I co-authored a book with Professor Dan Stein. And he's like a world expert in, well, brain disorders and obsessive compulsive disorder. And this book was called Neural Networks and Psychopathology. And it was fascinating. It was so interesting to see that you can actually apply it even in that space to understand the brain better. And, uh, so, and, and, and also disorders and diseases and, and so forth. And, and it almost like laid the foundation for me where I realized, wow, I need to make a choice here, like anything in life. Um, either I'm gonna stay with academia and I'm gonna do state-of-the-art machine learning, AI research and looking at applications. And my PhD was also in recurrent neural nets and training dynamics and complexity of that. Um, and, I, and I saw so much opportunities as well, but I just realized there's so much to do on the application side that, uh, I, that I founded my first companies. And that was kind of the, the, the start into the, the entrepreneurial uh, business space where we, we just started applying it. And what was fascinating at that time, um, South Africa has got a very strong minerals, metals, mining um, industry. So we started applying this kind of AI technology to do process optimization, process performance enhancement, um, and also equipment monitoring, predictive maintenance, those kind of solutions. And from there, we actually built up and grew that company, Ceasing Systems, to, to like a worldwide a company that's providing these kind of solutions. And it was like an AI layer that we put on top of the, the SCADA or the distributed control systems layer of all these plants, all these industrial minerals, metals, mining plants. And we did the same also in the manufacturing industry. So we ended up providing solutions around the globe and setting up a distribution and partnership network around the globe and all the continents. Um, and that was an incredible learning experience just to see how we can use the technology and apply it and make a difference. Um, and I remember spending significant time in Europe and US and Australia and I was also in Beijing. I told you, I showed you that photo where, where it was way back, it was 2010. It was just before I sold the company to General Electric. But we met up with the GE folks in Beijing and we had people in Shanghai as well connecting uh, with us as well. And I remember that was such an interesting time because I was just sharing all these AI use cases and experience across multiple industries. So it's not only the minerals, metals, mining industry, but it was also manufacturing and water, wastewater, utilities. And obviously we've applied this also in financial services sector and other um, sectors as well. Um, and there was such an eagerness to learn. And, and that's what I, I remember that so distinctly from the Chinese uh, people there. It was fascinating um, to, to see that. But anyway, um, wonderful experience there. Um, at that time, we, we were the, also the first AI company on the African continent that, that sold an AI company to a multinational. That was in 2011. So we had an OEM agreement in 2009. 
Um, and at that time, I obviously sold the company to General Electric and had time to, to, to obviously, I, well, I had to work at GE. It was a shareholder transaction deal was, was uh, two years. The retention bonus is three years. And I stayed with GE for about four and a half years, up to 2015. But I'm an entrepreneur, so I said I need to, to apply these kind of um, technology in so many other areas and so much to do. And it's also, I think, we also, the, 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 the whole system, ecosystem also changed dramatically from being proprietary software. Everything that we wrote in CSense was from scratch. So I pointed my first students and every, every, those kind of people in my first company, we, and we were all computer scientists, electronic engineers, chemical engineers, and so forth. And we were applying, um, we were writing these kind of software from scratch. In the 2010s, this decade that just passed, I think things changed dramatically with open source. Um, and you do have now this mix of open source proprietary um, software and, and then obviously commercial APIs. So we, we like to talk about the API economy. So it's plug and play. So the skills that you need, need to have now is more a really good understanding of that AI toolbox or the smart technology toolbox and see how you can mix and match. How can you work with these legal, it's like legal blocks. How can you use the APIs in different ways to provide the best possible solutions? And how can you add complement other software and systems as well as part of that? And it's also kind of a decade where, well, last two decades, where we've seen these kind of scalable platform businesses. So the opportunities move from traditional products that's proprietary, that's um, that, that, you, that you just sell by distribution networks to a different type of economy where you actually see uh, platform businesses, um, the Googles, the, the Airbnb, I've got all these kind of companies that's coming through the fore. And obviously we saw that in China as well. So with Alibaba, Tencent, and Naspers initial investment in Tencent turned out to be a fantastic investment as well. That was a little bit of a South Africa, China, collaboration as well, a little bit of a big success story just in terms of investment. Um, but there's, it's, so it's been an incredible journey up to that point. And then I had time to think about the future and my massive transformative purpose is how to shape a better future in the smart technology era. And, and, and how can we use AI and smart technologies to actually help transform businesses and help, help transform society for the better? How can we create that better society and better systems and better economics for, for everyone? And, 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 and I would love to see that everyone benefit from that. So I founded the Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa, which is a nonprofit organization. And that was to help build the AI ecosystem uh, or a community in Africa. And since that time, that was 2015, 16, um, it was also incredible time to, um, to, to, to just start building it. I got inspired by some of the people in the World Economic Forum that wanted to plow back in Africa and I felt the same. I had opportunities to, to go to Silicon Valley, but I decided I want to stay in Africa. I want to make a difference here. I want to plow back. I want to help build this AI ecosystem. There's incredible opportunities here. We've been through a successful exercise with ceasing systems. Can we do the same kind of thing? Um, and just before I started Cortex Logic and the Cortex Group, I was just kind of in between GE and Cortex. I, I joined uh, a, a very smart 
it's, it's, it's a very nice tech startup called Jumo, and they were initially a bank, but they were transforming themselves into a fintech where they were trying to address financial inclusion. And they wanted, they, they created this mobile money marketplace for the emerging markets. And they're also now in Asia um, where they're trying to do things. And there's many more examples of these kind of uh, companies as well. But that presented an incredible learning opportunity for me as well, because it allowed me to interact with the telecoms players um, on the African continent, like Tigo, Airtel, MTN, Safaricom, which is part of Vodafone and so forth, and allowed us to actually um, build models with telecoms data, like all direct records and, and also the, the wallet behaviors. So you can provide digital financial solutions where you actually help people that's not included um, and, and you provide capital, loans, microloans, insurance products through that channel. And it's and initially it wasn't even smartphones. We obviously in Africa feature phones. You use um, feature phones and you provide those services through those channels. So, so that is part of that. So that was incredible experience uh, working at scale in the financial kind of services market and kind of um, doing some breakthrough things on that front as well. But then I founded Cortex because I was, I'm an entrepreneur, I want to do things, I want to also help control the solutions and applications that I'm getting involved in. Um, and and <laughs> that was also part of the, the, the potential issue as well because there's so many things to tackle. And my advice always to various companies is you got to focus. If you want to be world-class in a certain area, you got to focus. And, and we, we learned that lesson with C-Sense and we had to make difficult choices because we also had a number of divisions in the company. And, but we've decided we're going to focus on minerals, metals, mining. We're going to focus on the industrial manufacturing space. And that turned out to be an excellent choice. Right now in Africa, and I know we're going to talk about um, the Africa AI industry and ecosystem as well, but just leading into um, Cortex as well. So I think the opportunities in Africa, and we obviously want to create the successes here, similar to CSENS, and then from here roll out things that work very well, um, especially scalable platform businesses. But I think the opportunities here still in financial services, there's incredible opportunities, there's incredible innovation. Um, we will talk more about that later, especially in Kenya, um, in terms of what's being done there. Um, and, but, but apart from that, I think healthcare is huge, hugely important. Education is another one. And I would say agriculture is, is huge. Um, incredible opportunities to use smart tech to make an impact and difference. So obviously we can't do everything. And, uh, and I know we're gonna get to some of these kind of questions uh, around um, things that, we, that I'm doing right now. Um, but, but I can just quickly just say that um, I think we, we've identified a number of incredible opportunities in healthcare. In, 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 and specifically what we're focusing on right now is health wellness, um, providing a, digitus, a digital wellness program uh, um, or platform that is, um, that is very, that is providing personalized services um, to, to customers at scale. So we do, do this first year in South Africa, but we are looking at rolling that out. Another adjacent opportunity that we've just parked, but we, what, that we've invested in quite a bit is around uh, genomics and sequencing 
um, of the African genome. We've got 1.3 billion people here on the African continent. And there's about 130 million people outside Africa of people of African descent. There's an incredible opportunity to provide precision medicine solutions around that as well. And, and there's also interesting collaboration with China on that front. So we've been interacting with the Beijing Genome Institute um, uh, uh, with BGI, with their sequencing machines and so forth. So I think there's opportunity for them to actually um, to do things to, to collaborate there. And they've been quite active working with this at African Medical Research Council and all sorts of things. So I think there's all sorts of discussions going on. So there's potential there. Um, and then there's also obviously potential on the telecom side. Uh, I know Huawei is, is, has made significant investments here in Africa. Um, they were also last year at the, I think also the, the AI Africa um, Expo. Um, so we are, there, was, there was Chinese represent, representatives there as well. And, and I think that's, is, there's quite a bit of potential on that front. But we can again dig into that as well. So, um, uh, yeah, so any questions before I continue? Because I can continue probably for the, 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 the rest of the hour. Yeah, I just want to give you a chance to ask questions. That was a great introduction. And um, I think, um, yeah, I think maybe about your uh, journey at, at Cortex a little bit. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so, so what was, yeah, what were like biggest challenges like founding a company? Um, for you, I mean, it's also not that easy to attract the talent, to get the capital, yes. and there's so many different challenges. So how has that for sure. been? Yeah, for sure. And, and I think I see similarities also with C-Sense. And I think with C-Sense, it was kind of interesting because I, I, I immediately attracted the top talent, some of my top students. And, and uh, they were computer scientists, electronic engineers. There were some process engineers that we got involved and we grew the company quickly from there. The advantage with Cortex, if I just draw some parallels, is that I do have uh, quite a bit of a network that I've built up over the years across the globe. So I've got people in India that I'm working with that's been fantastic. Um, people with some of the initiatives that I've been doing the last few years. But here in Africa, we immediately attracted some of my old CSANs and GE talent. Um, and even I, I built up a team, even at Jumo, um, where we built up a data intelligence organization to deal with the telecoms data and building this bubble money marketplace. Um, I did the same thing there, but I attracted some of that talent, um, obviously in the Cortex team. Um, and, uh, and the MIA network has also been fantastic in terms of that. But it's not only the MIA thing. I think when we talk about the AI Africa ecosystem, there's been fantastic success stories elsewhere in Africa as well. So I'll talk about data science Nigeria, what's happening in Kenya. Um, one of the directors of MIA, the Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa is based in Nairobi, Kenya. And we've been talking about, I was there last year, we had an Asia-Africa corridor that we started there with people in Singapore and, 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 and on the African continent as well, trying to get that corridor going as well. And so there's many, many things happening on that front. But, but I think, as you rightly say, to attract talent is absolutely key. And we are fortunate to have a really talented team of data scientists, data engineers, um, AI machine learning experts um, right now um, that allows us to, to do all these fantastic stuff. There's people that are knowledgeable about the AI toolbox and how to use the different components, how to write our own proprietary stuff, how to combine the proprietary with the open source, with 
um, other commercial APIs because we're interested in building best of breed solutions and, and it's, it's moving so quickly. I think development, I know China has been incredible also in terms of innovation on the AI front. Um, and you obviously see that with the, the US-based tech giants as well. Um, and and, and it's, it's a matter of really keeping in touch with what's available and then how can we apply those things um, to provide solutions. So you've got to be super agile and fast moving. So, so in terms of challenges, it's really, uh, we didn't find it a big challenge to attract talent, um, but then it's a matter of making sure that everybody's on board how to use the AI toolbox and so forth. I would say the biggest challenge is initially and the mistakes that we've also made, even after all these years and experience, there's so many opportunities and if you don't focus, that's gonna bite you. So, so that's one, one big lesson as well. We've tried, especially last year, to do so many things, uh, too many things. And we've got a lot of people in to run certain businesses and stuff, but um, it, it's important to create critical mass and make sure there's a success Get the flywheel, and then you go, um, and and then you can decide if you you do you build another one like that, um, and that's exactly what we're doing now. So we are laser focused on very specific things. There are uh, world class. We're very excited about this um, state of the art um, forex and trading type of solution, financial services we've created using state of the art, not only AI but also math and physics, and it's kind of a very unique solution. We're very excited about that and the results that we've achieved. The other big one for us is around healthcare and not just genomics. We'll do that later. We've actually, that's an example of where we park things, but we've, we've zoomed in on health wellness. We're thinking about and, um, things like diet, nutrition, chronic lifestyle diseases, which is, which is really a massive problem here in Africa and also South Africa. And I think in the US and other places as well, where, where you see diabetes, um, you see high blood pressure, hypercholesterolemia, um, all these kind of diseases, which is costing the country and Africa and the world so much. So there's, there's almost like this um, joke cartoon where they talk about two tellers and there was one massive queue here on this side and there was two queues and there was one here that was empty. And this one was just people asking for chemical, for pills, um, pharmaceutical answers to their problems. And the other one was just diet and nutrition. And, and that was like nobody's standing there. Nobody's in that queue. Um, so if you can use AI, uh, creating intelligent virtual assistants, providing personalized health wellness solutions, um, encouraging, nudging people, um, driving people towards being healthier, and it's not only health wellness, obviously mental health uh, wellness, especially now with COVID-19, I think there's a lot of challenges, people struggling to, to just adapt quick enough and understand what's going on. There's a lot of assistance needed. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big, uh, that's really a big area. Um, and then there's areas around telemedicine, uh, financial wellness, all of those kind of things as well. Um, yeah, so, so I would say there's lots of challenges there. A lot of our successes, if I think about what we've done, um, if I look at the, the applications out there on a broad scale, there's these customer facing businesses, and then there's the industrial space. Obviously I do have significant experience in the industrial space. And there it's just about the business value drivers there is throughput yield. Um, I want to uptime for my, my equipment. Uh, so predictive maintenance. And if you just say 5% or 10% of 
improvement in quality, yield, throughput, that translates to millions of dollars to the business straight away. So it's huge, impactful type of business that you can do or solutions that you can provide for those sectors as well. And we've been fortunate. So we've been working with some of them. One of our customers, we've got a number of blue chip customers in Portex and one of the world's biggest diamond producers. Um, and we've been doing not only predictive maintenance for their marine um, but also, or division, but also things like demand forecasting and so forth as well, especially in times like this. But then uh, quite a bit of focus, if you think about the customer facing businesses and you can look at financial services, retail, um, insurance, healthcare, well, there's a bunch of things there where you, where you can provide AI solutions that's providing personalized service delivery, right product at the right time, and, and giving those offerings. If you think about what's happening with YouTube and, and all these kind of services that you also see in China, where you can see these personalized recommendations, these systems know your needs and requirements and can be proactive. So there's incredible opportunities on that front. And the, an intelligent virtual assistant, if you do it right, and the technology is there, you can provide, it's like a sensor on people because you can now in real time get what, what is the requirement, what's the needs, of people and then you can use that information with all the other data that you have and provide an integrated solution, real-time solution um, to customers as well. So, so that's, there's a huge opportunity. So, so we are current, currently zooming in on that. Um, there, there's obviously applications in retail, there's things like in, in the banking sector, you can provide personalized home loans. We've, if you do that right, well, that's huge business for banks. If you can just get more people, uh, um, it's like it's in Africa, it's like billions of rands, uh, the opportunity just, just around that. But if you think about retail, it's just the right product, the right price, the right time. So we've been do, doing those kind of things as well. If you think about healthcare, things that we've done is, for instance, hospital benefit management, where you determine the risk of people going into hospital, you're predicting length of stay, the cost, and if they, potentially if there's fraud, waste and abuse, those type of things as well. So there's many, 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 many things there, um, which, which is interesting. Um, anyway, yeah, so no, <laughs> I think covered a bit more there. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I also work in the eye company and I've seen it a little bit. I think, um, like, I feel like in sometimes like companies, big corporations, they like to uh, have it in-house, you know, the eye developers, because it might be really, the key differentiating factor in the future. So I'm wondering like, how are you able to convince these customers to maybe also to some extent they become dependent on you? And um, what kind of target customers are you looking for? Is it international corporations in South Africa? Is it large companies, small companies? Um, so how do you- Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely Marcus. So currently, we're obviously moving more to a kind of a platform business drive and play. But in terms of what we've currently done so far, it was blue chip companies. And what we do is we sit with the executive management of the companies and we brainstorm what is the most impactful quick win solutions that we can provide. And, and a lot of these companies, blue chip companies do have, as you rightly say, AI capacity and so forth, but they can't do everything. And, but we also bring significant experience in terms of how to do these kind of things very quickly in an agile way. So we try to complement. We don't try to force our product in their 
Um, it's, it's, we're looking at what they have and then we complement. That was kind of our approach all the time. And we anyway live in the API economy, it's plug and play. So it's, so they will have systems, they will have commercial systems, they will have all sorts of things, they will have people that's using open source, etc. It, and it's hard to um, almost like fill the gap uh, with them and provide a solution. So, so for us, it's obviously interest, important to provide impactful solutions where there's potential also, which is scalable for us as well. So obviously thinking it from a business side of, well, you, you just didn't, what we don't want to do is just sell ours. So you've got to be careful in what you select, what you do and what you, what you, what you shouldn't do. And we've made some mistakes there as well, because you, you maybe from a strategic point of view, you, you come in there, you do, you do various things, but you're not necessarily doing something that's truly going to be scalable. So you've got to be always on your feet, think about um, what are the things that you are very good at, world-class at, and, and how can you um, scale with that? And I think that's, that's, that's probably what we've done as well. So because, and that's why this, this end-to-end platform type of place where we control more of the solution, but we still work with these enterprises to plug it in, make it work, yeah. um, is, is, the, is probably the way for us to go because it's easier business and we see the scalability um, potential there as well. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah. Very interesting. Well, I think it's a, thank you very much. I think, uh, yeah, we don't have too much time for each section. I think uh, we would head over now a little bit on the African AI industry and ecosystem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how, how would you like generally describe the ecosystem there also if you compare it to Europe, US, China maybe, and also like what's the role of academia, companies, government, startups, like who's kind of driving this, uh, this ecosystem? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Marco, there's, there's multiple players. It's been fascinating to just watch this movie the last three, four years. Because when I founded MIA, the Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa, there was almost like nothing. And I remember there was not a lot of AI conferences. There was even um, uh, people thought that I was kind of into just arranging conferences and stuff like that. But that was not, we were just trying to help build this ecosystem. <laughs> and at that same time, Data Science Nigeria uh, with Bayo Kanbi, he's actually the Chief Transformational Officer of MTN in Nigeria. And he's been an incredible example of what um, can be done in a country like Nigeria. And so he helped to build up Data Science Nigeria as well. And, and that also happened during that time. So, so basically, if I have to describe and compare it, what I've seen over the last few years is an incredible drive and hunger to learn as much as possible and build capacity. And because there's a realization that AI is set to fuel new economic growth, and it's gonna be absolutely critical for the long-term economic impact of, uh, if you think about just Africa, the growth of Africa and what we need here, we have to build, invest in talent here as well. If you compare it to Europe and China and, and, and Americas or North America, it was obviously super far behind. But there are pockets of excellence. And even what I've created with Season Systems as the first AI company on the African continent sold to a multinational is kind of a proof point to show that we can still, we can build world-class technology and solutions here that can make a difference. But mm -hmm. since us, there's been many other examples um, of where there's leapfrogging. In Kenya, for instance, especially around mobile money. Um, and I think I can sense there's quite a bit of learning sharing of, of learnings between Asia and 
also Southeast Asia and Africa in terms of that, um, what can work, what not. Um, but, but there's also, Google has been great with the Google Deep uh, Mind, uh, not Deep Mind, but with the, the in Davos that they've started here in Africa. Um, there's Zindi that's been uh, like the Kaggle, I don't even know Kaggle, Kaggle platform where you do data science competitions. Now we've, Zindi is the African version of that. And there's more than 15,000 data scientists already participating on that platform as well. So those are things that didn't happen two years ago. It was just incredible the growth here. So, so it's like on an exponential uh, curve, a lot of the things that's happening here. So and there's a lot more conferences. There is, uh, we're busy also with Sirius here, uh, Mia, I'm also involved in that. We'll be building some of the compute infrastructure for state-of-the-art AI research. Um, across multiple disciplines um, and, uh, and those kind of things are very important because if you think about what we're lacking infrastructure wise we don't have that and if you think about AI machine learning to deal with the amount of data um, you need compute um, so that's why it's important to interact with the hardware players um, cloud players um, and that, that, that's obviously where there's opportunity for across the globe China US Europe uh, companies to participate and help. So I think from an African perspective, we are quite eager to um, to move quickly forward. And, and obviously, we realize that there's also um, probably agendas behind people's motives in terms of how to do things. But we also realize that we can't wait here. We don't want Africa to be left behind. And that's a real danger. So that's why it's such an import, important for us to put real effort into this and, and work together. We, we don't want company or, or organizations within the ecosystem to, to play politics and exclude um, one another and so forth. Um, we've been, for instance, also interacting with the ITU, um, uh, also the AF a Good Global Summit. Um, I presented there on smart cities. I was the first AI representative in two years ago, 2018. Then we had some people, some of our folks in MIA also representing us there, uh, John Kamara, Nick Bradshaw, and, and this year we also had uh, John Kamara participating there as well, although it was virtual. Um, so we're trying to, to, to work, collaborate, work together. Um, there's a lot of excitement going on, not only Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, uh, but there's Ghana, there is Mauritius even, there is Tanzania. We've got the Nelson Mandela Institute technology that's doing awesome work there. We're also a partner of us uh, with Mia as well. And, and, and we see incredible opportunities. And there are some good success stories of companies coming to the fore as well. Um, there's obviously Cortex Logic, but there's robotics uh, in South Africa that's doing drone, AI driven drone technology for agricultural purposes. There is some other AI companies on the African continent that's also coming to the fore. So this ecosystem is growing. Um, but uh, that, especially data since Nigeria has been fantastic. It would be good maybe if you want to interview Bayon Denkanbi, he's another guy yeah. as well. Um, but anyway, so, so it's growing, but uh, we, we need help. <laughs> we need any assistance as well. So we are absolutely keen on collaboration. Yeah, co collaboration from abroad, but uh, yes, you, um, yeah, maybe that's a good way. I think we can head over to the next one. So, 
Um, so how do you see that right now? Is it like this ecosystem kind of standalone or what's the role of different countries um, in Africa? Is, is there also maybe some, some government incentives by foreign governments helping Africa to build this ecosystem or maybe collaborating work between research institutions in Africa and, and Europe? So uh, how, yeah. how, hmm? Yeah, we're currently participating um, just from a Europe perspective, European perspective. So there's some European grants that we are participating in. So um, it's actually in Germany, Aachen University, but there's a bunch of universities involved there. And we call it Quality AI and talk about AI innovation and the fusion of AI in Africa. And we were right, we're busy with some papers around that as well and applying for more grant funding in terms of that. But I know that, for instance, the African government and some other governments in Africa, there's really some good collaboration with Europe as well um, on multiple fronts. I've been participating in a number of these sessions and doing some presentations and stuff like that as well. Um, next week, we actually have AI dialogue um, here in South Africa, where I'll also be participating and talking about how we can use AI uh, not only well, also for government purposes how can we how can we um, how can government benefit from this as well but but it's the broader ecosystem as well um, so so yeah I think it's it's I, I know there's been quite a bit of investment from and, and interest from from China uh, from the east also Japan um, and we're obviously uh, keen to see how we can create win-win situations for everyone um, I mentioned the genomics on the genomics side, the Be Beijing Genomics Institute, there's definitely opportunities there and ongoing discussions. I, I know Huawei and there's a few other players um, that's making um, inroads here in Africa as well. Um, yeah, we, we try to be, I know there's also kind of this tech cold war going on between the US and China as well. And I'm sure we're probably gonna talk about those kind of things as well, um, which is actually unfortunate because I'm thinking about where we want to go as a homo sapiens and as a, as, and we, we want to, there's so many, so many people in poverty and people that's really left behind. We obviously have economic problems as well with the middle class being eroded in general, if you especially look at uh, on the West. Um, and we, we need to solve these problems and it's much better if we really collaborate and, and, and work together. So we need really fantastic, much better leadership. We need wisdom. To, to interact in optimal ways um, and collaborate in the best possible ways. And there's so much to learn from all the different parties, from the West as well as from, from, from China. And I think the growth story of China, I think you, you had that quote with Jack Ma said, today's Africa is China's 20 years ago. Um, and that's the opportunity. We, we're sitting here on a gold mine of opportunity. It's a eager, market there's people that want to be included there's incredible opportunities in agriculture healthcare financial services education education is probably one of the biggest things that we need to address here in africa mm. um so we would love to see collaboration assistance and help uh, mm. on that front as well yeah in terms of the, the chinese commitment in africa i mean there are a lot of yes. investors also chinese investors uh, in investing in African startups, technology companies like Hill House, Mate One, IDG, Sequoia Capital China, NetEase, but a lot of others as well. And I mean, Alibaba doing this yes. entrepreneur price, I think for, for several years. And uh, yeah, also Jake Ma, I mean, met the South African president. Uh, in yes, Cyril Maposa. Yeah, created some, some great images. So 
how how much is actually happening there um is it uh, do you do you feel the commitment of of these chinese investors is it really visible and also is it is it just capital or is it really um hands on um as well and uh, what's the slope do you think it will increase in the future with maybe fewer investment opportunities in europe and uh, us for uh, chinese companies I think there's great opportunity there to create win-win solutions with, with China in the future as well, but it's obviously a, a very delicate. So I think it's early days. I haven't seen significant, obviously in the past there's been in Africa in general, especially on the commodities front, because of Africa is mineral rich as well, like Australia and so forth. So there's, there has been collaboration on that front as well. There's obviously some collaboration infrastructure front, but there's, Clearly, especially with um, China's um, expertise in AI and so forth, and providing these kind of AI-driven solutions with smart tech and so forth to to make a difference on the African continent there as well. Um, and I know there's been some successes and and so forth, but but I haven't seen major. I think it's very early days, Marco. Still, um, in terms of smart tech type of investment. Clearly, in terms of other things, like I've just mentioned, infrastructure and commodities, there's been all sorts of collaboration. But I think there's, I just see the potential of collaboration, um, especially on the smart tech front, to, to, to make a difference there. But there's obviously, I think the, the big fear, and well, that's, is, is obviously the thing around digital surveillance, or and my, for me also, digital dictatorship is something that I'm concerned about. But if we use technology wisely for the good of people, I think there's incredible opportunity where this smart technology can make an incredible difference. So it's about using technology in a smart way. Um, we don't want to create lethal autonomous weapons, for instance. Mm. Um, it's so easy. I think we're also on a precipice in a certain sense as a homo sapiens, as a, as a global community, where we need really wisdom and incredible leadership to make sure that we steer away from all the massive dangers. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and I would love to see how we can collaborate. We, we obviously need all the stakeholders and we need, we need proper leadership to, to help guide us through this. So I'm actually writing a book, just my little contribution on, on human-centric, actually it's called Transformative Human-Centric Artificial Intelligence and how to shape a better future in a smart technology era. And I'm actually sketching out some of the the, um, the potential outcomes in the 21st century around this technology. And I think there's opportunity to re-engineer society and economies. And there's a, I like one guy from China a lot, um, Dr. Kai-Fu Li. Mm. I think he's maybe originally from Taiwan, if I'm not mistaken, but he's from Cinovation Ventures. He's got a book out, AI Superpowers. And he has spent quite a bit of time in Silicon Valley as well where um, I think at Google and Apple and so forth, and he was trying to, to build Google also in China, but he's super focused on um, Chinese uh, startups right now with innovation ventures. But he's got a very nice, I like his perspective as well, where he's talking more about, we know there's a danger around jobs or tasks within jobs as being automated and so forth. Yeah. But if we re-engineer society where we start valuing compassion or human-centric services a lot more, um, then there is the opportunity to, um, to create that better future. Because clearly, AI and machine learning is coming for us 
with assisted augmented autonomous intelligence, self-driving cars, drones, there's going to be all of that. So, but we've got to be clever. We shouldn't let the technology dictate to us. Let's use the technology to help us create that better future. Yeah, I'm so, just, um, I mean, yeah. If, yeah, if you look at China, I mean, if you look at the biggest AI companies, SenseTime, Plus, Hikvision, um, I mean, yes. they, most of their business actually was surveillance, at least currently, because it's yes. relatively low-hanging fruit and the government can yes. actively kind of promote the, the industry. So is that something that's also taking place in Africa or... Um, or do you think? Oh, it's very early days. I, I know I've seen, I read a story about Zambia also trying to utilize, there's again misuse. They, they're trying to get this digital surveillance technology and then they're trying to get, um, if, you, if you're the reigning, or you're the government in control and you've got digital um, surveillance technology, they make it very difficult for opposition. So you, you, it actually hurts the democratic, democratic process in some of the countries. So we've got to be super careful here because we can create a very dangerous world that we don't want. Um, um, but, it's, it's got, it's, but, but I still think we can use this surveillance, uh, this kind of technology in more clever ways. So, so it's a very delicate balance. We've got to be super careful how we use it. But I think it needs to be respect for uh, privacy and, and thinking about um, people as well. What's the kind of world? So we need to just think about the society and world that we want to live in. <laughs> Do we, do we want to be just manipulated like puppets or do we want to have the freedom of expression to do the thing? So it's a nice balanced approach that's needed, but we also want to be protected. Yeah. Um, if you think about pandemic, I think the world's going to think differently about things like well, we've covered 19 now. It's, it's a interesting time right now. And I think we're going to, the world's going to be better prepared in the future for this type of pandemics. But, but I think there's opportunities to collaborate better, to use technology in a smarter way to help protect us from the bad things out there. Um, because I'm concerned about lethal autonomous weapons and those kind of things as well. How can we protect ourselves against those kind of things as well? So there need to be some sort of surveillance or some sort of um, uh, smart technology deployed to help society to protect society as well from all the bad actors and players so clearly there needs to be something like but still we need to have a nice balance where we feel well people can still live their lives and make choices as well mm. so it's it's not easy problems um to solve but those are things that we need to get right and yeah. i think there's lessons to learn from across the globe in terms of getting it right yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Wait, I think I will ask one last question <laughs> before we open the discussion and please send me your, um, your questions. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm wondering, we know in Europe, like the AI development is maybe not as far as it could be because of a lot of like regulations. Yes. So how is that actually uh, in Africa? And uh, how, like you're talking about these ethical concerns, but are they also um, really written down in the, in the law? No, not yet, but, but we're learning. We actually talked about, uh, this is something that's very important. As part of doing responsible AI, trustworthy. If you think about anyway systems, say systems that run, you want to make sure it's robust. It doesn't fall over. If it falls over, um, how do you handle it gracefully? So that, that is more kind of a systems that's autonomous and that's just doing things. But, but I think from a, if you think about interact, systems that interact with people, you don't, you don't want discrimination against people. As far as possible, you don't want that. You want so ethical 
behavior um, is incredibly important. So what we are talking about, what we're advocating, so we're trying to lead in, in, from our perspective, when we implement solutions, we're thinking about robustness, we're thinking about ethics, we're thinking about data privacy. We, we, we want to make sure that we don't fall in the same trap um, as with Facebook, where just data um, went rogue, and people misused data. We see this all the time. We see fake news, all these kind of things. So we are in this a problematic world of social media where things can go awry very quickly um, and so it just shows the danger it's almost like we like kids in a candy store and but we play with this dangerous technology that's affecting us and we don't have the wisdom to apply it in a, in a proper way but we yeah, but here in Africa we're trying to be agile learn quickly um, try, try and implement those kind of things straight away off the bat all the information is available around these kind of things Clearly, it's not in law and regulation yet, but I, I sh I'm sure it will come. But we're trying to, to be responsible citizens and organizations and applying this in the right way. So we're very aware of GDPR and, and, and all and we, in South Africa, we've got the, the PR, they call it Poppy or PR Act, um, which is also about data privacy and so forth. So, and it's coming into play. Um, but anyway, it's, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a lot to discuss on that front as well. Yeah, but I think I'm I'm I'm, I'm really glad. Like we we went over a lot of like parts. I mean, over um, your career, over your your company, the African AI ecosystem, as well as yes. China a little bit. I would just share um, the um, our contact information. You know, before we forget it, that yeah. the audience um, can add us. So I would leave that a little bit uh, in the in the. In the screen. Um, let me see how to do that. Uh, one second. Oh, I, I just see a comment here from Nick Bradshaw. You mentioned yeah. Expo Africa as well. So there's a link in the chat as well. Oh, that's good. Great. Yeah. There are people who connect with me as well. Can you see the? I think it's not the full screen mode somehow. Uh, here. No, I can see it. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just sorry. Uh, WeChat contact codes and also if you want to become part of the GCAI group um, then um, I can add you um, uh, yes. so just let me know so I think um, I will just leave that a little bit I think in terms of question um, just one second we received several questions already so I think in the meantime I can uh, we can go through them just one second Not so easy right now. Uh, chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one question is um, so from a guest who does a PhD in AI. So he's interested in um, yeah, basically your change from uh, academia to business. So what what have you learned? I mean, must have been really <laughs> different world. Mm. Yeah, and it's a different world. But I'm I've still stayed up to date with some of the the state of the art in AI. And I'm very keen to help, um, even though we sit here, that's why I actually I founded the Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa. It's not only to build the AI um, community in Africa, but, but also to do some state-of-the-art research in AI and so forth. So I'm, obviously my focus is creating these scalable AI solutions using state-of-the-art AI. Um, but I, I still, uh, in my heart, I'm still, uh, I'm super passionate about knowledge and understanding the brain, understanding how we can create smarter systems that, that we can use for our benefit. I always want to frame things 
we want to make sure that whatever we developed here, we've got to be super careful on the academia front as well, um, but to, to make sure that we apply it in a proper way. So I think there's challenges on all fronts, but, but I'm, a, I, I'm, I, I'm just, I've got a hunger for knowledge. So I'm following, I'm reading papers, I'm following the, uh, although I haven't published a lot, so I'm actually, I have a chapter in the book that will be talking about state-of-the-art AI and where I think things are going. And there's some great thought leaders and different perspectives. And I'll just provide some of my inputs there as well on that front. But it's not, it was not an easy decision <laughs> to, to, to go. But uh, if you just think you can make a bigger difference and impact if you apply these kind of smart technologies in the right way. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm glad I made that decision because I've learned so much and I've met so many people. I know that academia, academic career, you also meet a lot of people. I've been in all over across the globe on presenting AI papers on conferences and so forth. But it was like the winter period. Now it's, mm. you've got so many people now participating. The, the field has grown like exponentially. So it's, it's, it's also not easy to, 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 um, to, 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 to follow all the latest stuff, but, but uh, I've got a filter around these kind of things. So I know what, what should work, what is more impactful than other things. So I do have this kind of application filter that I'm always thinking about. Um, yeah, but anyway, it's an interesting question. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And also I think one question um, is uh, in academia, there has been a lot of concern about safety hazards in the decision-making yes. process of these deep neural nets. So how, how much do you think that really is a problem? No, it's a huge problem. So, so just to give you an idea, even in the 2000s, when we've de de delivered, deployed all these AI solutions at industrial plants and so forth, we always made sure it's super robust. And we also extract knowledge from, for instance, the neural nets, machine learning, with sensitivity analysis, cause analysis, all sorts of different ways, even multiple techniques, um, rules-based systems that you extract knowledge like rule induction, as well as machine learning systems, we tried to understand some of the decisions being made. What is the important variables that's contributing to the difference between, say, class A and B, or good and bad behavior, or anomalous behavior versus ideal behavior? Um, and that was always part of our solutions. So I think explainability is a very important area of research. Um, if you think about what happened with the Boeing 737 MAX, for instance, and we've got just sensors that fail, misinterpretation of that, if I think about the systems that we've implemented in industrial space, we always make sure there's backups. There's even software sensors that's modeling the hardware sensors and can pick up if there's drift or issues with that sensor. And you, you need to have warnings and all sorts of things. So, so that's part of robust systems, um, safety. So I think it's super important that, that whole area around that. If we want to do, make sure that we implement responsible, robust AI solutions. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, Ludovic has a like related question to that. I think it's public. Yeah. So uh, when you look at, I think with filters, he means like uh, ethical filters, I guess. Like yes. when, yeah. So so how do you filter out what's uh, good or not not a good? Oh man, that's difficult because a lot of this. Marco, a lot of the systems that you train on, that, that's where the bias can come in so quickly. So, so you've got to make sure that from the start, you've got to look at your data as well, especially for, with this data-driven machine learning-based systems, where it's so easy to train systems and build systems that 
can potentially be dis discriminative. It could, could potentially be, or at least have super bias built in. So it's very important that you look at the distributions of, of the various things that you want to, for instance, classify and so forth, and make sure you've got, you, you handle that in the right way. So those kind of filters are, are very important. And to me, just part of the things that you just need to do. And I think, you know what? It's almost like we, we've been, um, almost like a bit immature um, over the last few years. It was early days for us humans, still playing with this technology. So we've made a lot of mistakes. But I think going forward, I, I, I'm sure there's going to be more wisdom and, and apply to these kind of things where this, this will just be checks and balances that you put into the system, making sure, are you doing this? Or do you have the ethics filters, the robust filters, the safety, the trustworthy AI, all of those kind of things. And uh, yeah, so, so I'm sure... I'm confident that we will be better at this. Um, so that's where regulation also comes in, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. one day, yeah. <laughs> not easy to figure out when the technology is not really there yet, yeah. Um, yes. I think, um, yeah, I think maybe we can just finish, like you can ask, yes. maybe you can do one or two more questions. I think one here, which is really interesting is also, I mean, we talked now about different areas of, uh, potential applications of AI in Africa. But uh, what do you really see so far? What, what kind of innovation did you see that really impacted the life of, of many people in Africa? I would say the one big one, clearly, financial inclusion. I think there's massive goals around financial inclusion where they're talking about, even I think I've got it here, where they say the next 100 million Africans can be financially included within the next decade. So how can we do that? And we can use with, especially there's so many people using smartphones and phones and so forth, um, and they are being connected to the internet, even though it's maybe not that fast and all of it, but that would change as well. So I think there's, there's a huge opportunity there. And there's also via smart technologies, I think on the educational front, uh, and I would say healthcare. So those, those finance, uh, education, healthcare, and they obviously we need to do things in agriculture here. Yeah. But, but those things are, for me, priority. And we've seen successes with mobile money uh, in, in Africa already, which is kind of world-beating. The stuff that what, what they did in Kenya, uh, Safaricom, around this as well is, is magnificent. Um, so that's, that's a beautiful example. But there's a lot more of that. We've got lots of constraints here in Africa, but we still have the opportunities to, to use smart technology in clever ways. To, to, to actually come up with solutions that solve African problems, mm. but that solutions could potentially be rolled out internationally as well, because it could potentially be a game changer as well, because it's addressing very specific things within constraints and potential problems here, but if, I think there's always potential to roll that out internationally as well. So I think, yeah, anyway, so that, that's that, that in a nutshell. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think uh, we would be already at the end. It's uh, 9 p.m. or which time is 3, 3 p.m. for you. Uh, yes. So, yeah, I just want to really thank you um, for the, your time. Um, I know it's Sunday. I know you have a lot, lot to do. And uh, no, we can all stay and uh, build this ecosystem between China and uh, Africa. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you so much. It was really interesting. Thank Marco, thank everyone. And uh, it was a great opportunity and have a great day further, evening to you. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.